Hope we're all well. Everyone having a good evening? I thought this was meant to be the sort of really dynamic service. Everyone having a good evening? Super. So I won't talk for a long time. I'm going to talk about the scripture, share some stories, and then we're going to all go back and forth and speak about our experiences. Um, Who's been here for the kind of other sessions so far? Hands up if you've been here. Okay. Whose first time is it? Okay. So this is part of a series. I only asked that to let you know that if you haven't been here for the other ones, there have been um, other conversations about this uh, sharing Jesus topic. So check that out. Um, I'm very tired this evening, so I want to need your energy to get through. I've, you know, I've said yes to lots of different things, and now I'm sort of, it's all catching up with me. I just got back from Tenerife. It's my birthday. Uh, then I went to this person's house and this person, and so now I'm a bit tired. But there is one thing that gets me excited, and that is evangelism. I care deeply about evangelism. I can talk about it for a long, long time. So I'm energized by that. But some news from Tenerife. So we go out every year on mission, which is another organization I'm a part of, and we go on mission twice a year. So we go to Tenerife. Um, we support a local church there called Tenerife Family Church that we know. And we share the gospel on the streets, especially on the strip. Really fascinating Tenerife because... On the Strip, um, the church, Tenerife Family Church, they've got a local presence on the Strip. And, and, and their sort of space, which is called the living room, is on top of a strip club called Stringfellas. Underneath that is a Chinese shop, you know, to, to sort of get food, you know. Um, and so for years now, missionaries have been going to Tenerife, to the living room, and praying over the Strip. I was going to show pictures, but I didn't get in, uh, in on time. And so we were there during the Halloween period. Very, very fascinating experience. People dressed up as all sorts. And I remember one member of our team, me watching her sort of laying hands and pray for somebody. And the back was like, ush, ush, ush. And she was just there praying. And the guy was like a, I think it was like a, he was wearing an apron and sort of not much else. But um, it was really kind of fascinating to, to have that experience. And, and it was lovely. Some people received Jesus for the first time. Uh, we prayed for people, we empowered and just spoke uh, about Jesus and, and all that offers to some young people. I mean, there were folks there who were like 16, 17, who when we asked them, what do you want to be in the future? They were like, you know, a club promoter. And that's, that was it. So we were speaking to them about God's plan for them. And it was a lovely, lovely time. Um, maybe when we get time after, I can share a few more stories or so. I want to start today uh, at uh, uh, the edge of tomorrow. Anyone seen that film? Good. It's a good film, right? Good. It's really good. Now, I went to watch that film when it first came out, whatever year it was. I, didn't, I don't like action films, but I, w- I, w- I walked in to watch it. My friends were watching it. And I watched it, very low expectations, action films, things blow up. So I was like, oh, here we go again, sort of fine. So I sit down, I watch it. And I was really surprised. I was like, whoa. This is really-. I had some Cruise, Emily Blunt, I believe. It was so good. And here's what happened. After it finished, I walked outside. And nobody told me to do so, but I brought my phone out and I texted four friends. And I was like, guys, you have to watch this film. It is so good. This is so, it's, no, it's not what you think it is. I just started evangelizing without any prompting. Interested. No one tapped me in the soda. No one said, Mike, you ought to tell five people. No one said, pick your friends. It was a natural overflowing of me going, this is a really good thing. And I suppose when it comes to evangelism, we have to ask ourselves a similar question and say, are we moved, are we compelled by the relationship we have with Jesus such that we actually want to tell other people? 
It's a very organic process. When you discover something meaningful, something powerful, something amazing, there is meant to be a sort of overspill in your life where you want to tell other people. And so if you're in here and you're kind of like, I don't really feel like sharing the gospel. I don't really have this energy, as it were. The question I would ask is, have you unpacked fully what it means to be one with God, what it means to know Jesus intimately, what it means to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? And so I just wanted to say that before we got started. But um, evangelism, as much as we talk about methods, should flow from you really just wanting to share the joy, the peace, all the riches you get from knowing Jesus and knowing the Spirit, right? So that, that's there before we talk about methods. I just want to make sure that's there. Okay, so the rich young ruler is what we're looking at today. The book, uh, the, the chapter is Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 17 to 22. A very well-known portion of scripture. Uh, Jesus has this encounter with a, a, you know, a rich uh, young ruler, and he asks him a series of questions. We're going to take a look at the interaction, exegete a bit of it. That means we're going to let the Bible breathe and speak about what it's speaking about. And then we're going to take a look at the methodology and what we can learn from how Jesus does this. So, is everyone at Mark 10, 17, or is it on the screen thing? I imagine it is, so I will read. From verse 17. And Jesus started on his way. So, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do? To inherit eternal, eternal life. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments? You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. You should not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the Bible says, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, this story of the rich young ruler is found in three of the synoptic gospels. We see it in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 19. We see it in Luke chapter 18 as well. And I would read them because they all sort of get at different perspectives, but ultimately it's dealing with this same story. The man is described as a ruler, which means he was some sort of prince, maybe magistrate, you know, something like that. Now, we know he's probably Jewish. Why? Because no Roman, no Roman ruler would happily call Jesus uh, 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 good, right? Would call him uh, a teacher or a rabbi. So we assume in, or we assume rather, that it's a Jewish ruler in a local synagogue, uh, synagogue who had great wealth. Now, this account does a few different things, doesn't it? One, we see Jesus asking questions, and we're going to learn from that. But also it speaks about this sort of sticky nature of money that it's really hard to let go of. The man spoke about his great wealth, and Jesus would later use this uh, to uh, talk about the, the detrimental effect of having a lot of money and how lots of money and the love of money can corrupt 
one's desire even for eternal life. That's made super clear in Matthew, uh, Matthew 19. And so Jesus' drawing from this incident concerns about money, um, uh, uh, about salvation by works, and these are some of the things we will visit. Okay, so let's revisit the story. The first thing Jesus does, the first question, if you like, that Jesus asks this man when he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? In Matthew 19, 17, Jesus says very clearly that only God is good. Even in the mark that we are reading, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except from God alone. What does he mean by this? I mean, some of you may be thinking, well, Jesus is good. I mean, he's a good guy. <laughs> so is this kind of much ado about nothing? Is this sort of semantics, as it were? I think what Jesus was trying to do here is get beneath what this man was thinking and get beneath how he was using the word good. Because sure, if you're measuring two things against each other, I mean, if you go to Tesco and you're holding a banana and feeling different bananas, then yes, one banana may be good and one may be not as good as that one. So the use of good when comparing two different things, you can probably use it there. But when we're talking about God's standard, good is a whole different thing, isn't it? When he says good teacher, Jesus is asking him, do you understand the, the word good that you're using? Do you understand the fullness of what good means when, you, when you're thinking uh, 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 in relation to God? So Jesus wasn't saying, I'm not good, thereby uh, denying his divinity. Instead, he was trying to help this man really unpack what good means. Since only God is good, what this man may normally call human goodness is something quite different. And the truth about what this man's saying would come uh, uh, across later. What I love about this is that Jesus starts not by lambasting the man, but asking the man a question. So Jesus is inviting him in to say, let's, let's kind of interrogate, if you like, what it is you actually believe. Jesus here demonstrates for us a, a, a really powerful way to think about everyday evangelism. He acknowledges that people have a history. And isn't that the case? When, when people come to you, they never just come to you as they are. They come with a lived experience, with a history, with all sorts of beliefs. And before we go out and, and proclaim the gospel to them, sometimes you have to ask them questions about who they are, what they believe. The experiences people have, of course, color their view of God. The words they use, I've been on the streets before and heard that God isn't fair. I get that all the time. Rather than being like, he is fair, how dare you? I might say, what do you mean by fair? Why do you say he's not fair? If we follow Jesus' example, we may lean in and say, what do you understand fairness to mean? You must hear it all the time that God isn't just is another thing. How can he be just and we see what's happening in Israel and Palestine? Is, is he apathetic? Is he sleeping? Now, we may think, yeah, let's jump in and, and, and sort of deal with that. But again, if we follow Jesus' approach, it might be wiser to ask, what do you mean by just? Why did you say, where did you get that from? Using questions gives an opportunity for people, when they come to us, to really interrogate what it, what it is they believe. 
it gives them a chance to explore what they might be really trying to say. In my sort of going on the streets and you know, with the organization I look after, that's, we do that a lot. We go, we go out to London, London Bridge, and we talk to people about Jesus. Oftentimes, people are talking about one thing, but really they're saying something totally different. And there's a, sometimes it's very painful, but oftentimes you have to just listen to them for long enough to get to what they're actually trying to talk about. So rather than attacking and preaching, a lot of our work is actually just listening to people and trying to be God's ears. And Jesus actually models this right now, right here. I've heard a few people say, back in the church I used to go to many years ago, it was a very sort of Pentecostal, um, outwardly expressive, I should say, church. And so, on Sunday, you best believe you had to wear your Sunday's best. My mum made sure of that. And so we would I, would, I used to wear a suit, which is just, I've been redeemed and changed, so I don't, I don't wear suits anymore. But I used to wear a suit. <laughs> and so I would wear a suit to church every day with a tie. I mean, I was sat at the back. No one saw me, but I, I still would sort of wear the suit. And so we used to dress up a lot. And I remember meeting somebody outside uh, whilst we were preaching once. And he said, I would come to church, but I, there's no way in the world I, I, I can afford to buy a suit. And I thought to myself, what? Is that all that's keeping you away? That's an easy one. Like, I can just deal with this right now. Because sometimes people have a really strong opposition to God. But his thing was, I don't have sort of the money to buy a suit. So he's obviously internalized. Maybe he saw a few people walking out of the church once. And he's like, wow. They've got fine threads. And so in his head, he thinks, oh, I can't go because of that. And so he's learned some things. He's got some ideas. And rather than sort of preaching at him, maybe what I need to do is ask him questions to really try and uncover where he got those ideas from. One of the most frequent things we hear, especially when we go to San Reef, is young people saying that, mate, if you knew my life, way too messy. Can't be a Christian. My life is way too... When I'm older... I spoke to a 19-year-old girl from Birmingham. She said, when I'm older and I'm sort of a bit more serious, then I'll come to church. Once, once I've cleaned my life up, then I'll come to church. So interesting, because I thought, where did you get that? Right? right? Someone must have told her that. Or maybe she even said, oh, when I have children, I would, I would love them to go to church. She was 19, by the way. And I just thought, so why are you not coming now? She has a history. She has beliefs. She's got ideas. And as people who are taking an example from Jesus... Maybe sometimes our evangelism is just asking them, where did you get that? What do you mean by that? How did you get there? Now, Jesus continued, right, as he was talking to this man. He said, well, first he deals with this good question. And he says, only God is good. And then he tells him, one thing you lack, right? He says, there's all these different commandments. He lists it, lists it out. And I want to pay attention to one. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is, in the, this is explicit in the Matthew 19 account. I love the young reader's response. So quick with it. All of these I have kept, he says. So confidently. All of this. Reminds me of a guy, a 19-year-old boy we were talking to again just last week. We were telling him, we were like, you know, are you, he's uh, from Ireland. Um, uh, he's Kevin, his name is from Ireland, and he was talking about 
growing up, 19, gift of the gab, just there, working the clubs and just talking. And uh, <laughs> we asked him, uh, so I said, you're Irish? He said, yes. I said, so you must be Protestant, right? And he says, oh, yeah, 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 I'm Protestant. He was very proudly. He said, yeah, I'm, a, I'm very, very religious, very religious, he said. And I said, wow. So what do you mean by that? He was like, I grew up, my nan was religious, I'm religious, you know, we're, we're really religious, as he said in an, in an apron and like, a, you know, and, and some boxes. And I said, right. So I said, so what does the gospel mean to you? And he was like, I don't know what that is. I thought to myself, that's interesting. A minute ago, he was very proud of saying, I am religious. You know, I go to church. My, my nan's religious. She sort of passed on her faith to me. And the simple question of what's the gospel just went over his head. And it reminded me of this. This young ruler's exuberance and saying, all of these I have kept. You know, now what do I still lack? It's a key statement because clearly this young ruler means well. Clearly he means well. But he doesn't fully understand what he's saying. This is what Jesus is getting at here. His problem was that he thought, I somehow can work it out in myself through obeying the rules. I can be holy, pure, righteous enough such that I may actually inherit heaven. So he considered himself to be faultless. He believed he was faultless. And Jesus' question challenges him a tiny bit. Jesus' question reveals to him that he has perhaps a flawed understanding. Even though he believed he was morally upright, Jesus says, well, if you want to be perfect, and remember, you love your neighbor as yourself, right? And you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, okay? Well, go sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven, the, the very thing you want. We all know the answer to that, right? His head fell. He said, oh, snap. Rather than obey Jesus' instructions, he turned his back on the Lord and he walked away. The man's choice saddened Jesus because Jesus loved him, we learn in Mark. But Jesus was trying to show this young man through questions that you can't be saved by your works. You can't perfectly keep the law such that it would be your own doing that you get to be one with God, that you get to be reconciled to him. He was saying you cannot keep the law perfectly. The point of the law is to show you that you can't do it in your own strength. You cannot build a ladder tall enough to get to heaven. Your own works can't be rungs you climb up to get there. And this man had this idea from somewhere that somehow he could. But the fact that he wasn't willing to give up his wealth meant he had broken two of the greatest commandments. One, he did not love the Lord with all his heart. And two, he did not love his neighbor as himself. And Jesus was showing him this through questions. Using questions, it sort of took away the sting a bit. Questions revealed to this man his sin and the surpassing worth and beauty of what Jesus was offering. Now, this is all about how we can learn from Jesus. And so rather than getting deep into, or deeper rather, into the, into the story, 
I think it's a, such a powerful way to evangelize, to ask questions. A lot of people, when we do the training, say, mate, I'm not eloquent. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what ecostology means. I can barely spell it, some people say. Neither can I, is what I tell them sometimes. My spelling can be shaky. But when it comes to asking questions, the, the real question for you is, well, can you be curious? If you can be curious and you can follow Jesus' example, then it's possible for you at work to be God's ears and to ask questions and say, where did you get that from? What do you mean by that? How did you arrive at that conclusion? Everybody loves being asked questions. That's one, you know, every single year, this is, that was, last week was my 12th mission trip, every single time we go on mission, people always say, I don't know what to say, I'm kind of nervous, and I just say, just ask a question. And they come back and they go, that was amazing, the guy spoke for like 30 minutes. That's what happens when you ask questions. And I think Jesus has given us this as help. Because sometimes we internalize evangelism as going out and having, dotting all your T's, crossing all your I's. No. Dotting all your I's and crossing all your T's. When in reality, it's about diffusing the fragrance of God's wisdom. Doing it by showing a genuine interest in people. And we actually saw it on the trip. There was these two ladies we were talking to. And I happened to be walking with one of the uh, guys he was evangelizing. And he's very, I, won't, I wonder if he'll hear this. It doesn't matter. He doesn't mind. Uh, he is very exuberant, very sort of out there. And so we walked up to these two ladies. And he, um, from Nigeria, he was going to speak to these two ladies. And he went to these, and, you know, bear in mind, context. There's in the back, right? The two ladies are sitting down. And he was like, hey, ladies, do you know about Jesus? And they were like, or, no, we don't really want to talk about Jesus around. He was like, no, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the historical evidence for his life. And I was cringing. I was looking at him like, I wanted to tug him. Obviously, I'm on his team, so I'm like, I kind of support what he's saying. But I was like, mate, just, you know, and just kept on going. And you could see them sort of slowly, slowly kind of, this is a bit too much, mate. Then somehow... Uh, she turned away, we both broke the kind of contact, and then we just asked them a question. Then we said, oh, what's your name? So their name, Jess, and I, I forgot the other one's name, I think it was Rashawn, Rashane, something like that. And they revealed they're from Birmingham. So we said, oh, Birmingham, so Selly Oak, what kind of, they're like, not Selly Oak, how dare you say that? I'm not from Selly Oak. We're like, all right, so not Selly Oak. That was my failed Brummie accent. And then we're like, so where are you from? And then they said where they were really from, and then we started just talking. Guys, that interaction ended with one of them crying as he was praying for her, and one of them committing that evening to praying when she gets home and she's got some time. It was just so powerful what questions did. Just showing a genuine interest. Honestly, that was probably one of my favorite experiences, if not for the other one, when we're talking to another lad, and we asked him, oh gosh, it, was a, it took a long time. We probably spoke to him for about 40 minutes. 30 of it was him just talking about, I honestly don't remember. He just said a load of different things about what he thinks about politics, what he thinks about uh, the, the war here, what he thinks about the UK. He just kept on sharing, we kept on listening to him. And after a while that we'd listened to him for about 30 uh, kind of minutes or so, I suppose we had sort of earned a bit of his trust. So he was like, but what, but what are you guys doing here? And we're like, oh, thanks for asking. We're actually here to talk about Jesus. And then we got into talking about Jesus. But 
those 30 minutes felt like an hour where I was itching to be like, mate, can we just, you know, this is nice, but, you know, we're going to move on. But again, I saw the power of questions. And that's really what I'm trying to get across today. And then this sort of short excerpt um, is maybe we would feel more confident getting on the mission field if you realize that sometimes it just requires you to ask questions, to show a genuine interest, to listen when people speak, to try to understand where they're coming from. There is a sort of Ray Comfort style, which who's a well-known evangelist who sort of says to people, have you ever sinned? And they're like, no, say, no, no, he goes, have you ever lied? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, have you ever stolen before? And they're like, yeah. And, he's, and then he says, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, so you're a lion, uh, thieving, bl- blaspheming, whatever. And he's like, you know, you know, if God was coming today, would you go to heaven? And they're like, hell. And he's like, so would you like to receive Jesus? And it works. Like, I've seen so many videos where they're like, yeah, and then they become, they become Christians. I'm not sure about that process. What I'm advocating here, though, is that we lean in and ask people questions and show a genuine interest in people and learn from Jesus freely in this excerpt where he does just that. Now, I want to ask you a question to discuss, but I don't know if I'm meant to do that. Okay, is that okay? Okay. So, um, the question I want us to discuss, oh, let me see if I can find it, is... What's the hardest question you've ever been asked about Jesus or about faith and to discuss it amongst each other? And I don't know how much, we have, how much time we have for this, but who do you have the most interesting conversations with about Jesus, about your faith and stuff like that? Um, so those are two questions.